one thing that I really feel like he's impressed on me to mention this week is, uh, or today actually, is that, um, all right, all right, I got to change. Just a second. Thank you, Lord. Uh, is that, you know, we don't want to lose sight of the miraculous. I'm not talking about the, um, the spectacular. When we first got filled with the Holy Ghost, there were all these people that went running from house meeting to house meeting expecting the spectacular. And the thing of it is, as, as Brother Kenneth, Hogan, Kenneth Hagen would say, they were missing the spiritual running to the spectacular. And the spiritual was happening right in front of them <laughs> many times, right? And I want you to understand we're full gospel people, but God works through His Spirit. He's not trying to work through the spectacular day in and day out. He wants to lead you from inside by His Spirit, right? Amen? And that's the way He, that's the way he wants to do it. And uh, so that being said, Let's talk about this for just a minute. 1 Corinthians 2. Thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians 2. Where's Corinthians? It's right after Romans. Okay. It did sound like it. I, I, knew, I know that you know. I'm just, I'm just saying that. Yeah. I know that you know. All right. Why don't we look at verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And this is, who's speaking here? Yeah, well, I'm going to call him Apostle Paul. I don't know him that well yet. So, but anyway. Um, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Christ, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me ask you a question. Does that still apply today? So what would God have people to be set in? The wisdom of men or a demonstration of the Spirit and power. Nothing's changed, has it? I mean, you can pick that up all over the Bible. You can certainly pick that up here, right? Amen? Amen. When did a demonstration of power come? After Pentecost, right? In the church, I should say, in the church. So let's, let's, move, let's move forward a little bit. Verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. They were not yet, right? So that's why he didn't speak it among them. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden, and then they add wisdom, but the hidden which God ordained before the ages. What are the next three words? Huh? A lot of people have never caught that in church. All they talk about, oh, to God be the glory. To, and hey, great. But understand, he ordained before the foundation all this stuff that he will glorify you as well. You got to read this. See it for yourself. Did you see it? We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden which God ordained before the ages for our glory. We have to be careful that the church doesn't whitewash itself down to the point where there's nothing even to look at. Now the world the world wants you to go that way already and the church willingly oblige. And willingly oblige. We give everything that's distinctive or neat or nice about us until we're whitewashed down to just about nothing. There's no glory in that. <laughs> now you understand many times the world can't see the glory of God. They see the glory of people. 
They're not born again. They're not born again, right? Amen. Amen. I, I got to I want to just talk to you for just a minute. Have you noticed in the United States that it's like we're going backwards? It's like we were once at a place where there was order and society and good things were valued and nice things were valued. And it's like we're, we're devolving back into this like rural agrarian type. I mean, you got people now wanting to go out and live off the grid and all this stuff. Have you considered the way God wanted it to be? What, what, what does he say? What's he building? And then he's building a city. The city of God, right? He's building Zion, right? He's not, he's not saying go scatter and become nothing and don't even be seen. He's not saying that. And yet that's what's happening with a lot of Christians. They're just, they're just going away. You know, they're no longer in the meetings in their counties and their cities. They're no longer voting. They're no longer uh, going and, and doing things that, that people used to do that were proper and good. Now that it's like they live their own little life at home. They're not affecting anybody but themselves, right? And, and so the world's like going backwards. I want, I want you to consider something. Do you literally think that Israel, when, when Moses called them out, do you think they just kind of fell out anyway? They came out and just stood there? You haven't read Scripture if you believe that. They walked out in rows, in order, and the heads of their houses stood at the front. The head of the whole house stood at the front. And then the heads of each household, down to the children, in order, in rows, so that they could receive what God had for them. And the church itself is devolving into some kind of confused, defunct thing where people don't value anything anymore and, and they don't value order and they don't value nice things and good things. I would, I would ask you, why do you think there was gold in the tabernacle? You think God just had a plenty and he said, let's just do it in tabernacle. It's better than pastels. Let's just do it in gold. It's better than pastels. There's value in it, folks. There's value in it. He didn't ask you to give up everything, all your gold. He didn't ask you to go back to trading sticks. Guys, Israel wasn't about trading sticks. <laughs> they weren't bartering. Not always. As they, as they moved along, that wasn't the plan. They were living in a city. They had order. People had different jobs. They respected each other. Amen? We're going backwards in a Christian nation. What's wrong with us? We've lost respect. We've lost the desire to, to do things uh, in order, orderly. Now we're just, let's just hear them, scare them, aside, you know, whatever. Right? Yeah. But, but, you know, but see, people don't, apparently they don't know their first love. Their first love is a God of order. See, they never knew him that way. They came to him in rebellion, and, and somehow they get this idea it's okay to stay in rebellion with him. But that's not what the Bible really teaches. See, the Bible teaches put that stuff off and become a citizen of the new city, right? The city of our God. That's, that's what he's telling us. I, I have to convey this to you. I hear it over and over and over and over and over. Honestly, I really do. As long as we got enough just to get by, we're good. I'm not coming down on anybody. I've heard it like four times this week from different people, okay? You have to understand that is a me, myself, and I mentality. That is not of God. That is of you. God is more than enough to help somebody else and bring them up. That is, I'm going to circle my wagons around my little spot and we're going to do what we can do. Okay, that's not Israel, that's not, not spiritual Israel, and that wasn't literal Israel. That's selfishness. God gives talents and people squander them, right? They're not for you if you hadn't figured it out. They're to be used 
for him, for his glory. It brings you a little bit. It brings him a lot. It's not really us up to us to decide whether we should do these things or not. He's told us we should. If you don't believe it, then why do you think Jesus went to the cross? It was not his number one choice. You have a quote in Scripture from him saying, if there's any way this can pass from me. And then he did something so many have trouble with. Nevertheless! <laughs> Nevertheless, I have to achieve. Not for me, for him. Nevertheless, I have to be a model citizen. Not for me. For him, I have to obey the civil authority. Well, that's lost in church. Obey the civil authority. Not my president. And both sides said it on these last two presidents. So don't be nodding your head smugly. Right? And God says, he is yours. <laughs> right? Both ways. He says, I put him there. <laughs> Amen. He wants to create a culture that's different than what's out there. He doesn't want us to just take that and window dress it. He's trying to do something new. You know, the Bible literally told us, you know, he said, uh, whoever's in me is a new creation. That means, and, and he literally said, the old passed away. He didn't say, take the old clothes and put them in there and wear them on Thursdays. Or whenever you feel like devolving into the person you were before, right? He said, the old has passed away. Now, that's God talking. I know we don't all think so, but that's God talking, right? What did he say? He said, you're in Christ now. I need your best. I've given you life. Now, I expect your best every day. Every day. You're not living for you anymore. That was a disaster. Remember what he said? He said, you living for you was a disaster. But if you'll live for me, it'll glorify me and it'll bring you glory. And don't tell me there's not that little selfish part in everybody that says, what about me? I'd like a little glory. Let me tell you something. It's, 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 it's religion that tells you that there's nothing in it for you. Okay, they're going to tell you that. It's all about God has nothing to do with you. Let me tell you something. God redeemed you and it has something to do with you. <laughs> Amen. He loves you enough that he's got glory for each and every individual that he graced with DNA. You'll never get it unless you yield to him first. You'll get your own. That kind's fleeting and it fails. It also doesn't carry over into the ages to come. It's for now only. Make sense? If you're going to do something, do it for the ages to come. It can matter here too. But it needs to be permanent. It needs to be lasting. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay. So, um, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to finish this real quick, and then we'll go into something else maybe. But um, He says in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden which God ordained before the ages for our glory. This is cool. Because I want to tell you, you can't look to the news, you can't look to the world, you can't look to your neighbor, and you can't look to the immature Christian. Come on, can you hear me? Everybody's looking laterally to the immature Christian. You're not getting anything. If you're looking at your family and they're Christian, you're not getting anything probably. He's going to say it in just a second. He's going to say it. But this is what he says. The hidden which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. None of them knew. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And then, he's, and then he, he, he bolsters his case with Scripture. He said, I'm going to prove to you nobody knew. Ready? So he says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has even entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But we can't stop there, can we? We know that. Because that's old news. He's just using it to bolster his case, okay? It doesn't apply to us today. 
Because look what the next line says. But God has revealed those things to us through what? His Spirit. And then he explains it. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes. Because you know Paul, Paul knows we don't believe, right? Apostle Paul knows we don't believe. So he says, yes. The Spirit searches all things. Yes. Even the deep things of God. Have you been given the Spirit? Anybody in here born again? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? All right, so the Spirit you've been given knows the deep things of God. So then your issue is, will you receive those things? All right, will you receive those things? Or are you going to be carnal, even though you're saved, and rely on the world? You know? So let's, let's, look at, let's look at verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? In the same way, that's what even so means. Some of you have even so, right? In the same way, no one knows the things of God, right? Except the spirit of God. And that's good news because you've received the spirit of God. So there's not this big mystery out here, right? Amen. This, is a, this, is, this, is, this should be making you happy, right? Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Oh my gosh, he tell, so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. There's two ways to look at this now. What we've just kind of uncovered this, in this last line, okay? I'm going to throw this out there. You either have to be of the opinion, and, and I'll, I'll throw this out there and suggest it to you. This, is, this seems to be the way church goes, okay? You have the biggest camp of Christians that believe that God promised a Bible, and once we got the Bible miraculous works and true giftings from God and things like that were no longer necessary because we had the book now, right? That's the main camp of Christianity in the United States. And then you have the holdouts, okay, that believe that, yes, we have the Word written, okay, and it was canonized, put together by men through the, through the Holy Spirit, right? But that the Holy Spirit still has to breathe on the pages for you to be able to really, truly get what God's saying. Now, those are your two camps. You might as well decide which one you're in. We're in the second camp. Okay? And the reason I say that is because it is hard for me to believe that if you believe, and if you believe in the Word of God, then you have to believe it's inspired or you're wasting your time. What that means, you have to believe it was given by God to the man who wrote it. And in its original text, it doesn't have any errors. That's what we believe. Okay? So here's the point then. Do you really believe the Spirit of God said all of this about the Spirit and didn't know there was going to be a Bible? God foreknew you before you were in your mother's womb. And he knew he was going to have men penned by the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures, and you don't think he knew enough to have it written down here? But he didn't write that. Instead, what he had Apostle write was this. You ready? But God has revealed them to us through his Bible. Through his... Yes, even the deep things of God. In case you ask that question, you mean, you mean the, the things that are... Yes, even the deep things of God. Amen? And then he explains, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit that's in him? Now look at what he says, because I want you to understand, because I, you know, I, I, I have a human brain too, and it's of the flesh, and it, you have to, have to whack it back in the right place, you know, because it, all it knew was the nature of fallenness for I don't know how long. And the mind says... But what Paul's saying is they were revealed to him and he wrote them for everybody else. But I want you to understand there are so many places, and this is a great one of them, so we can point it out right here. Look at what he says. 
verse 12. Because if you believe that it was given to him and he wrote it and that's all it takes, then he would have written it like this. You ready? You ready? That's how he would have written it. Are you there? Now I've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that I might know the things that have been freely given to me from God. And then I pinned them and handed them down to you. But instead, he includes his brethren in the conversation with him, the people he's speaking to, the ones he's writing to. He includes them in the conversation with him and says this. Are you ready? You ready? Now we've received not the spirit of the world. And how do I know? Because who's received the spirit? Every believer has received the spirit. Are you with me? Can you agree with that? Every believer has to have received the Holy Spirit. His Bible says if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of His. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you're none of His. Right? So if every believer, then He's speaking to us, right? Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit. We've received the Spirit directly from God. I'll, I'll say directly. Why? So that the same we, are you seeing it? You seeing it? So that we might know. Will you would you join me in something? Say we. We. So that we might know. You understand the Spirit's working through everybody. He didn't, he didn't work just through one man to write a book. You have me? So that we might know the things that have been given to us. Not just Apostle Paul. So we might know the things that are given to us, freely given. And these things we also speak, not in words which man wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Now, if Paul was going to literally say, by the way, understand this again, if he was going to say that it went to him and to a few of his compatriots and they were just going to write it down and that's how everybody else would get it, he would have said the Holy Spirit taught because he's already learned it. You with me? He's already, he already knows this. He's not learning it right now while he's writing. I promise you. He already knows. He already has the revelation. He's already, he's already walked in it. Amen. And instead, he says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. That means he continues to teach. And because it's inspired, it means he continues to teach today. Because the Holy Spirit teaches. Amen. He teaches. Do you believe that? In John, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll take my place. What did Jesus do for the disciples? He taught them. <laughs> and so what's the Holy Spirit going to do when he comes in his place? He's going to teach us. Amen. He's going to remind us the things that God said. Amen. That's Okay. So these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, which the Holy Spirit teaches if the, it would be absolutely incorrect if the holy spirit didn't teach for paul to say apostle paul to say that the holy spirit teaches you agree comparing spiritual things with spiritual now look at verse 14 because it's interesting we've been through it we're gonna go through it right quick but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to Him. Now you mean unsaved, right? Nope. That can apply to a saved person who is not developed spiritually. He's going to prove it in a minute. So just trust me. But you have to realize when you run into Christians and you hear them say things that don't line up with what you know to be true and what you yourself have experienced truly before God, you can't listen to that. They may very well be not very spiritually developed. Amen? The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, 
because they're spiritually discerned. If you're undeveloped in the area of the spirit, Look at verse 15, if you will. He who is spiritual judges all things. Wow. How many times you see on, on, on social media, don't judge me. That's not your business to judge. Not develop. Carnal. Don't understand. Spiritual person makes judgments about everything. Who they're going to hang out with. What church they're going to go to. What ministries they're going to follow what God has taught, has brought them to in terms of what their life is for Him. They're making all these judgments all the time by the Spirit. Not carnally now, not mentally. And that's one of the things you see is the spiritually undeveloped people will often say, well, I've got discernment about this or I'm good at discerning that, but they're discerning in the soulish realm. They're not hearing it from God. They're just looking at little, and not all, now there are people that discern by the Spirit, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying so many of the ones that are judgmental, when somebody, when somebody judges you in the Spirit, you don't even know you've been judged. Because it doesn't hurt. It's done in love, right? Yeah. Well, not even that, in that case, yes, but most of the time they don't even say it. It's for them. They're just determining how to live their life, who to hang around, what what to do. You see what I'm saying? They're using the Spirit to lead them. It's called being led by the Spirit. Right. That's what's happening. Amen. All right, so verse 15. He who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no one. Now, they get judged, but it doesn't matter. People don't know what they're doing. And I'll share with you, unfortunately, the church does this to each other probably more than the world does. You know, that guy's a false teacher. I'll use a name. You guys will be familiar. That Joe Olstein, he's a false teacher. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. But, you know, he's a false teacher. He doesn't preach it right. He doesn't preach the whole thing. That's between him and God. That's a soulish judgment. And the reason I know it's a soulless judgment is because I know they weren't there when God began to speak to Brother Joel and give him his mandate for his life. Well, I know the Scripture. Yeah, we all know the Scripture. And the sad thing is we all know the Scripture in part. <laughs> you know? So, you, you, you get those, right? You get those. But the, but the Bible says, yeah, but you don't know that over here it also says you have to take the full counsel of God and put it together and come to some kind of agreement. Right? Amen? Isn't that interesting? That's why we really need each other and not to be out on the island, I guess. Amen? So, look at what it says, verse 16. He's rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Now, again, listen. He's proven something here. I want you to make sure you see this in the right light. He's proven something right here. He's saying, yeah, I know you say, well, we can't know what God's thinking. That's God. I had a lady tell me this when I first started, and I was not in ministry. I was going to another church. I was teaching a Wednesday night Bible study, and I was talking about the will of God, and I kept coming back to the will of God. Well, you know the will of God and the character of God. She finally, she finally, I guess, had had enough in the back, and she shot that hand up. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I don't know what you think you're talking about. How could we know the will of God? He's God. And I'm sitting here going, I just walked over. I went like this. This is the will of God. Everything he said is in his will. Find what it says about your situation. That's what his will. You don't have to wonder. Blew her mind. Never heard it in her life. Been in church 30-something years. The will of God is right there. You know? But, it, but that was what so many people were thinking. She finally said it because they grew up in a church where they didn't believe the Word of God was the will of God. They believed that God's wishy-washy. So many people did. Does God want to heal me? Well, does it ever say it in the Bible? Well, yeah, but He might be wishy-washy. He might change. He may not want to do it for me. He may just want to do it for somebody else. Well, does He name them in the Bible? No. Does He name you in the Bible? No. Then He probably wants to do it for all of you. Because if He did, He's smart enough to name just the ones He's going to heal. Spoiler alert. He's smart enough to name the ones that he's got stuff for. If he thought he needed to do it, he would have done it. But he didn't need to do it because he has one will for his people. Isn't that amazing? He has one will for his people. 
It's just, it's just so, it, it will set you free when you realize that he has one will for his people. Now, I'm not always in position to receive what he has. I agree with that. But it's still not God changing his will. He's not being wishy-washy at all. You know, the Bible says there's no shadow of turning with him. You know what that means? There's never a point when you look to God and he's facing away. There's never a point when you ask for God for something, he goes, I don't, I'm not going to. I'm not going He's not like that. There's no shadow of turning with him. He's not treating more different than he is me. In terms of his will and promises. Now, he may have to do things with me to motivate me differently because we made differently. Amen? And that's true. But what he wants for us, he'll use those different things to get us to the same type of promises. Amen? He's using those different things to get us the same type of promises. He knows what will work and what won't. Why? Because he made you. He's very effective. You think? He's very effective. How many of you have ever let it slip out of your mouth? Boy, I tell you what, brothers and sisters really know how to push your buttons. Let me tell you what, the God who created you really knows how to push your buttons. He knows exactly where to put you and what to do to get you exactly where you need to be. <laughs> Doesn't he? Now, if we don't listen to him, we could be in the wrong place, and that's our own fault. I'm not going to say, Lord, I know you don't put anything on me that I can't handle. I'm not mad with anybody. I know people say that. You won't, it'll, it'll, it, I'll be, something will be wrong with me. I'll have a really high fever if you ever hear me say that. Because I'm scared to even say that because I know that most of the time something's been put on me that I couldn't handle. It's because I ran out and put it on myself. You didn't have anything to do with the Lord. So, you know. It's, it's because of disobedience or a lack of listening or a lack of seeking or whatever. And so I'll run out and put this junk on myself. And the whole time he's been going, yeah, I didn't tell you to do that. I'm down here praying, Lord, this thing show is heavy. What you doing? He said, well, I didn't tell you to put it on there. Maybe I'll take it off. I didn't tell you to go do that. Why are you doing it? You should listen to me. You went out, you've been doing this for two years. It's put, it's put wrinkles on your face. I didn't want that. But Lord, you won't put anything on me. Uh, the first question, the first problem you have is I didn't put it on you. <laughs> do you know God God allows you? To, do you know that he, before he, let me, let me ask you a question. Before Mary received the wonder of the Holy Spirit, which was Jesus inside of her, what did he tell her? He came to her and told her what would happen. Why do you think he did that? Why didn't he just do it? Why didn't angels come to her and tell her? He gave her a choice of being agreement. And what'd she say? Let it be unto me as you have desired. Right? He's not putting stuff on you that you're not receiving. Now Satan will, because half the time what we receive, and we don't know we're receiving it by what we do. Amen? That makes sense? But God wants you to be willing participants in his ministry. He's not trying to force you to do anything. That makes sense. Willing participants. He's a God of love. Love doesn't control. Love doesn't control. You know what controls? Fear controls. When you see somebody that has to control somebody else, they're scared. It's fear. I might not be able to get my way if I don't keep everything like this. You know? Things may just spiral out of control if I don't keep my thumb here and do this and do that, right? You know, God's not worried about that. Nothing's going to spiral out of control in His life. It's not. He's going to be just fine. <laughs> you know something? He is going to be just fine. So anyway, look at verse 3, okay? Because I just want you to see this quick part. Look what he says. And remember, he's just been talking about unspiritual people. You with me? Carnal people. Let me just say this. What it means is people that are led by the flesh. They can be born again, but they're not led by. They're, in other words, the Spirit's trying to lead, but they're not following. They're still leading themselves in the flesh. Okay. And if you don't believe Christians can be that way, look at what he says. And I, what's the next word? Verse 
chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, what do you say to fellow believers? What do you call them? Brothers, brethren. Look what he says. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual. You remember, uh, it's been a minute. You remember going back to chapter 1 where he said, when you guys first came in, I resolved not to speak to you on a mature kind of level. and did a, But I resolved to know nothing among you but Christ and Christ, crucif Him crucified with fear and trembling, so that your understanding would not be in the wisdom of men, but we would be grounded in the power and move of the Holy Spirit. You remember? Okay. This is, this is what he's talking about. I couldn't tell you guys anything. All I could get you to do is, is just recognize Christ. But that's not how we're supposed to stay. I, I used to have a, I used to know a preacher as a friend of mine. He'd stand up and say, it's just Christ and Him crucified. That's all you need to know. And I'm sitting there going, have you read the rest of that chapter? I'm serious. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm on the stage with him. He's preaching. He's like, it's Christ and Him crucified. That's all you need to know. I'm like, uh, Paul doesn't agree with that. You need to read the rest of that. Because it sounds good, but it's not, as Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. It's not the rest of the story, you know? He says, brothers, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but to you as carnal. Christians can be carnal, not spiritual. You will run into more, oh man, this is terrible, I'm going to say it. You run into more carnal Christians than you will spiritual. I don't know about that tongues now. That tongues, I don't believe that. I want to read it to you. You ready? You ready? You ready? But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You ready? Because they are foolishness to him. What is the Christian that doesn't believe in time? Man, that's gibberish. It's just foolishness. Ain't nothing going on there. Just gibberish. Just foolishness. Nothing going on there. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Right. It's just foolish to sit there and jibber-jabber. And yet 1 Corinthians says, He who utters in an unknown tongue utters mysteries unto God and buildeth himself up. You've been around, you've been around carnal Christians your whole life. I have too. And I still am. On some levels, you know, we're still working on it. Amen? Aren't we? I hope we are. We're still working on it. But we shouldn't stay where we were. Shouldn't stay where we were. So he says, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. Would it shock you to know we have people been in church 47 years as still babes in Christ? It shocked me, but then I realized it and I got over it. I also realized I was one of them. I'd been, when I was 35, I'd been in church almost my whole life. Didn't know a thing about the Spirit. Been, I mean, I've been in churches where they didn't mention the Holy Spirit for a year in preaching. He's the active force on the earth today, and we ain't mentioned Him in a year. Unless it was just in a scripture we were reading, we just glossed right over it. You know? And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's all of your experience, but it was mine, you know? It's what, it's what he told him. He said, guys, you were like babes. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. Obviously, based on the whole, not Paul's, the Holy Spirit's example here. You're not supposed to stay that way, are you? How many of you have stayed an infant? You've seen Boney Joni running around, haven't you? Jonas? How come he didn't stay an infant and stay on that food? How come now he's transitioning to something else? How come now he can get around on his own? We first met him, he couldn't do it. How come? Because you're supposed to grow. You're supposed to grow up. You're supposed to get strong. You're supposed to be able to carry on a strong conversation. You're supposed to be able to begin to communicate with others and explain what you're about, right? You're supposed to blend into the deal and get in line in your place and grow up in your place, right? Amen? And it's sad you can't you talk to people sometimes been in church 47 years and they don't know their place. They don't even know there is one. They don't even know there is one. That, that gibberish. Had a guy tell me Friday morning, I met with him. He said, You know, 
this is this is a thing of principle with me. I don't know what he's talking about, okay? But this is what he said. He said, you know, every church should be focused on outreach first. And he was expecting me to go, oh, yeah, absolutely. Amen, brother. But I felt it was a good point, a good time in the conversation just to stop him. So, you know, he, you know how when you're having that conversation, people looking at you and you're agreeing with them, and they say, well, I got them now. We're agreeing, you know, and they're going along. Every church should be focused on outreach. And I, I went, he goes, hmm? I said, what if God had a church to be focused on inreach just to build the body of Christ? What if God had teaching ministries out there like I, I could name several that do nothing but focus on growing Christians? They're not focused on, you don't think he could do that? And he's like, well, he'd never considered it. And like, I'm not saying one is or one isn't, but what I'm saying is you can't say those kind of things because you don't know them. Right? You don't know them. That's like saying every church should sing only contemporary Christian music. You can't say those kind of things. You don't know that. We don't know what they're singing in heaven this morning. They may be singing, how great thou art, how great thou art, you know? Or it may be way back further than that, you know? We just don't know, do we? Matter of fact, all these songs we sing probably aren't what they're singing in heaven at all. They probably have their own things, and God lets us have our own things, and He works with us the best He can based on how far we'll follow Him because He loves us, right? It's probably what He's doing. He's probably saying, hey, they're singing that song. I've never heard it before, but they're doing it to me. I love those kids. Can you hear Him? I love those kids. They're singing to me this morning. You little child, he's sitting there trying to pull up on a chair, and he's blah, 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 blah. You know what he's saying. But it's beautiful. <laughs> Isn't it? And don't you know God looks at him and says, look, they're learning. They're, they're trying to learn to talk. Look at, look at my baby. Oh, they're trying to learn to walk in the Spirit. Look, it's beautiful. And the, and the world's telling you, and the church is telling the religious church is telling you, you keep falling down, you don't know what you're doing. You know? And God's sitting there going, oh, come on, keep trying. Oh, look at that. I'm almost walking. Isn't this beautiful? He's looking at the angels. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, whatever you say, <laughs> right? But that's us. And every time we take a step, and every time we learn how to crawl, and every time we do it, he's, oh, man, this is great. This experiment, this iteration on the earth that we're involved in, right? To learn to love and to learn to serve God. Isn't that beautiful? And he, you know he's brooding over us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's brooding over us. That the, 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 the witnesses, the cloud of witnesses, you know they're, they're, praying, they're praying for us. They're cheering us on, folks. They're not saying, don't do that again. If, if it's part of God's plan, they're saying, hey, hey, you fail. Put a band-aid on that thing. Let's do it again. Immediately. Don't wait. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, Terry's a coach. You hear this? He says, just walk it off. Just walk it off. <laughs> just shake it off. You're fine, right? <laughs> But it's so true. And you know, Jesus is a coach. He coached his guys. And sometimes he'd get a little frustrated being a person, wouldn't he? He'd say, I don't know if i got to be with you guys. Right? And Terry's probably said that about some basketball teams as a coach, you know, some golf teams or whatever it might be. But in the end, you're looking for that growth, and he's looking for our growth. He's the champion of our growth, and he wants it so much. So let me say the last thing. So the spiritual affects the spiritual, and the carnal or natural affects the natural. So if I want to pick that chair up, I'm not going to do it in the spirit. I'm just going to grab it. <laughs> right? But there are certain things that you can't do in the natural. I'll, I'll give you an example. You cannot defeat Satan in the natural. I don't know how tall that guy is, but he's probably taller than you. You know? And so it's best not to try. You know? The weapons of our warfare are mighty before God, and they're useful for what? The tearing down of strongholds. Right. And we've been taught not by might or power, you know, in terms of the things of God, right? But by my Spirit, saith the Lord. In other words, and we talked about this, the conundrum that we're in is we've been given a mandate 
to have dominion over the earth and we can't do it in, in, in anything that's of ourselves. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. We're not smart enough. We can't fix the earth. So that's when he would say to you, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. You can't build a big enough uh, dam to stop all this water that may come. You understand? But by the spirit, you can look at the rain and say, Stop! In the name of Jesus Christ. You see what I mean? One is using what we're given. The other is really futility. It's really futility. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it because here's the thing. We still have to have dams because there are a lot of people that aren't saved and they would die. Can you, you with me? And there are a lot of us that have baby faith, which I still do in some areas. And we need the help of the natural world because here's the thing. God just wants us to get to a point Amen. And he really is trying to get us there anyway we can. That's why you can't look around and say, well, you know, God did it that way. He's going to do it that way every time. No, that worked for them. Might not work for you. You know? Isn't that true? Don't we do that, though, as, as lawful, carnal people? We want a formula from God that we can write on a board that say, every time I want to get healed, I want A plus B divided by this to equal this times this you know, times pi or whatever, right? And it'll give me this. But we don't know the variables. We couldn't plug them into the equation anyway. We don't know them. He knows them. Now I can speak in another language that he gave me and he'll be plugging in those numbers. That's a better way. It's a better way. Amen? But, okay. So, we're almost done. Let me see what we got here. Ooh, we ain't got much. Okay. It's because y'all sang so long, you people. Y'all worshiped so long. It's your fault. Yeah, which is good. Amen. Amen. So, think about this then. The difference in where we are right now with Christ is that because he never fell and because he didn't inherit the fallen nature when he walked the earth yes sickness tried to attack him yes accidents tried to come upon him yes they did the problem was none of them could stick they had no place to grab because there was no sin in him no corruption you, you understand all right now we're not in that we're not in that shape now we've been reborn we have the spirit of god but we also still have the fallen body You with me? All right, now, had he sinned, he would have been in our boat, but he didn't. Now, he raised us to newness of life, spirit first, and then he's going to deal with the mind and the body at the end. But he's given us the right, though. Hello! He's given us the right to deal with our own mind now. If we'll read the Scripture and build ourselves up, we can be transformed or renewed into transformation in the mind. Now, the good news about that is, and here's here's how it flows, right? Because people are going to say, well, you, you know, you still got a fallen body, you're still going to get sick. Yeah, but you still got a born-again spirit, you can still heal yourself. Amen. And what they don't like about that is, they say, well, that means I'm going to have to be doing it all the time. Yeah, it does. That's what it means. That's what it means. So just get ready for it. Until you get a resurrected body, those things can still, by the fallen nature, by the corruption that's still in the flesh, and by the things, we still miss the mark, by the way. You with me? We still miss the mark. So they still have entrance in us a lot of times, even today, right? So, yeah, what that means is you, you, you can't really say today, well, I'll never be demonized again. I hope you won't. Walk in the Spirit and you won't. But I don't know anybody that's 100% perfect outside of resurrection life, you know, fully in the body. And so what I would say is uh, walk as close to God as you can and believe. That's why he said men are always to not faint but to believe, right? Have faith in God. Where he says it's never too late. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. So let me just say this then. 
Knowing that, you know, when you look at Jesus, he didn't have those sicknesses that you still have. And you say, well, that separates me from him. No, it doesn't. You've got the same born-again spirit because that spirit was given to you through him. In Romans 8, what, 10 says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead liveth in you. It says it's in a question, but it's true. If the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead liveth in you, same spirit liveth in you, you believe it? Same spirit liveth in you. It lives in you. He lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Jesus lives in you. The Father lives in you. He said, I'll come, my Father and I will come and sup with you. We'll come and live in you. We'll come and live in you. Will we, will we, will we wake up and be led by him? You know? He wants us to. That's why we need more mornings like, like this with worship. You notice God was just kind of moving and doing, and we were just kind of following and doing. And, it, and, and if you notice, if you, if you were kind of spiritual this morning, not that, not that everybody in the room is, not that I'm that spiritual, but if you notice, the things of the Spirit flow where the things we try to do generally don't. You know, because He's in them. When He's in them, they work. Now, we almost always have to start out in the natural, don't we? So when I start singing Sunday morning, I don't want to be singing. And I like to drink coffee, and coffee is not good for your voice. So I haven't had much coffee. And so you're all flustered and upset in your natural self, and things are not working. But you know what? As you yield to Him, you yield yourself to Him, He begins to, the Spirit of God begins to overwhelm that natural self. He begins to flow through each and every person in this room. Your giftings begin to get magnified as you do. Everybody in the room. Amen? And your boldness will be magnified as you're filled with the Spirit. You saw it in Pentecost. They went forth boldly. And then they would pray, Lord, fill us and give us this boldness that comes with the Spirit of God. Amen? That's what they prayed, right? Let us go forth boldly and proclaim. You, you don't have the boldness in yourself. I don't have boldness in myself. It's not something I can teach myself. It's not something I can go to a, a, a class or and get, right? I have to get it from God. All right, so let me just say this, and, I, and it may be shocking. If Jesus stood on the earth, if he did, and he said, devil, get behind me, you realize you can do that too. They both have, you know, I'm, I'm hearing scripture, they both have one and the same Father. Who? Us and Him. He and us. They both have one and the same Father. Right? What's it say? Resist the devil and he will flee. So, if it's sickness, sickness, I give you no place in me. Be gone. I don't give you any place in me. Does it mean another one won't try to come around? No. No, I don't mean that. That's why you have to be in faith. So here's the question, the last thing. What is it about faith? Why is everything about faith in the kingdom of God? What in the world is it about faith? I mean, is faith really a thing? Think about it for a minute. What is it about faith? What is it about even that word that means anything? You know? I mean, because we should know this, right? Because we're going to live long by faith. We're going to be able to serve God by faith, right? The just shall live by faith. So we're going to live by faith. We're saved through by grace through faith, right? And, and James in chapter 5 said, it, it, the prayer of faith shall what? Heal the sick and that should be lifted up, right? So there are all these reasons to want to wanna know what faith. Why is it about faith and what does faith mean? Yeah, trust in something you can't see. Right? You realize when Jesus was here, he couldn't see the hand of God. Jesus was a man. He didn't see the Holy Spirit any more than you do. There was a time when he, when he got the gift of discerning of spirits. And John did too, by the way. And they saw the Holy Spirit drift down 
But after that time, that gift then, you know, it, was, it wasn't there every day. Amen? And that was given for our benefit, so we would know the Holy Spirit rested on him, because that was John's testimony. Whomever I see the Holy Spirit rest on and remain is the Messiah, right? Okay, so you understand that. So here's my point, and, and, and understand this with me. Uh, faith is so necessary because you can't see the kingdom of God right now. And faith is trust in something you can't see. Now, how many people say, I believe this, God? Don't answer. How many of us, though, really say, God, I believe this, but really in our heart, we're saying, and as soon as I begin to see a little bit of the evidence of it, I can go with it. Right? And yet, it's not faith. It's not faith. Faith is total trust in something you can't see. When Jesus looked at that wind and that wave and said, calm down, he could not see the hand of God. All he saw was wind and waves, just like you and me. When Jesus looked at a man and said, come out of that grave, you know what he could, you know what he could discern in the natural? The same thing you could if you said it. So how do you know then? How do you know? Ultimately, I mean, it's faith, right? So how do you know? I'm just asking the question, how do you know? Because he said it. That's it. Faith is being so convinced of what he said that that's all there is. being so convinced of what he said that that's all there is. And the first time I catch my mind saying, but what if I don't have it? That's why James said, you have to believe and not doubt. You know, a double-minded man should not believe they'll receive anything from God. You understand why it's so important? Faith means that although you don't see it, you're so convinced. Think, last thing, Abraham's faith. Kill your son. Sacrifice your son to me. Right? Sacrifice your son. You know what the Bible says later on in Hebrews? Abraham did not kill Isaac. How many of you know this? But the Bible says he did. The Bible says he did. You know where he killed him? It said he reckoned that God would raise him from the dead. See, all the promises were in Isaac. If he killed him, there wouldn't have been a promise. So he reckoned, well, I'm going to do it, but God's promise is so solid to me. See, in his mind, he already done it. He'd already taken that knife and plunged it into the chest of his son. God, knowing his heart, said, he's got it. No need to go any further. It says he reckoned that God would raise Isaac from the dead because he believed so strongly in the promise. That's an example of faith. Whatever you need, go to the Word of God until you believe so strongly in the promise. Then just look at that mountain. You, go to, you, can, go to, you can go to Mark 11 sometime and see that it says... You should speak to this mountain. And if you spoke to this mountain and had faith, it would be uprooted and cast into the sea. And I, and I just want to say this as an aside, because we love these songs and all these things. But, you know, uh, there are certain songs we don't sing at Oasis. And it's not a personal thing, but never in Scripture, never in Scripture does it say God will move your mountains. It doesn't say for you to ask Him to. The scripture in Mark 11 says this. It says that if you believe, you would speak and it would be moved. So the question is not that God didn't do it. The question is that I didn't believe and I didn't speak. That makes sense? And we can be misled by those things, not understanding. And if you just go read that. So here's the thing. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Faith. 
real faith. Amen? So if you're sick, tell it to go and believe it. And be done with it. Be done with it. Go on about your life. Plan your future. Trust in God. Apply for the next job. Do whatever it is. If you've got demonic possession or, or, or oppression in your life, just tell it, you got to go, man. I ain't got nothing to do with you. I ain't got nothing to do with you. And you certainly have nothing to do with me because I'm a child of light. Right? So I'm done with you. I'm done with you. And as they keep trying to come knocking, just remind them. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Sickness, you have no place in me. I'm done with you. We tried sick. We didn't like it. Is that right? You tried, you tried devil showing up in your bedroom at night, and you didn't like it, so you kicked them out, right? You tried not walking in the blessing of God, and then you realized how good it is. And you said, we're not doing that anymore. We're walking in the blessing of God now. Right? And when the symptoms don't look right, whatever it is, demonic possession, blessing, whatever it is, who cares about a symptom? It's true. It's true. That's your faith time.